Welcome to the Emerging Temple broadcast. I am Michael Obeyer. I will be your guide for the rest of this broadcast. At Emerging Temple, we seek to analyze current events within the context of God's plan for mankind, in which he intends, at the end of time, to raise up a people who will rule with him. Before I go any further, I want to encourage you to like our page, to subscribe to our channel, and if there is a notification bell icon, I would like you to hit that bell so you can be notified anytime we upload new videos. I want to encourage you to like this page so that we can develop the number of likes that we have so that we can come up in the rankings because we have a message that is critical for this hour and this time. So thank you so much for those of you who are already doing so. If you'd like to support our ministry, you can visit our website at templeoftruth.us. That's www.templeoftruth.us. Or you can go to patreon.com and look for our handle, Emerging Temple. Okay? We're also streaming now with the online radio platforms, um, including Spotify, iTunes, and Google Music. There's a few others. If you want to see the full list of radio stations through whom we broadcast, you can go to our website, templeoftruth.us. And I thank you so much for those of you who've been communicating with us, sharing with us um, your thoughts about our message. We're very encouraged to hear from you. Uh, many of you are watching us through the um, platform, I mean, hundreds of, through the platform of Facebook and WhatsApp, etc. cetera. And um, that doesn't necessarily uh, reflect on our accounts here on YouTube, but it doesn't really matter. If we reach one person, and we're able to help transform the life of one person and develop that relationship you have with God, man, we've hit a home run, okay? So it's not all about the numbers for us. It's about it's about the fact that God is using us and we're grateful that you'll find us worthy, you know, to, you know, to be used at this time and this hour. Jude chapter 1, there's only one chapter in Jude. Jude 1, verse 20 to 21, and Romans 8, 26 to 28. So let's start with those. What are these scriptures about? These scriptures have something to do with prayer. So, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 7, Jesus is responding to a question. Oh, well, he's, he's giving some advice. He's just, you know, talking to his apostles, his disciples, and he's giving some advice, and he's talking about a lot of things, but in verse 7, he says, but when you pray, Let's look at that. Okay. Here it says, Use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their what? Much speaking. Now, what Jesus says there is not big phrases. That's not what it says. It says repetition. Jesus was addressing something that's very important. The born again Christian is the only person that I know that belongs to a place of some faith that doesn't have a repetitive prayer. I cannot give you a prayer to go home and pray. I can give you a topic. I can give you a concern. But I cannot give you a set of words for you to repeat every other faith if we might call them that does that. Do the Hindus chant and repeat prayer? Do the Catholics repeat prayer? Do the Muslims repeat prayer? Yes. Do the Jews repeat prayer? 
Yes. You can't think of any now, even many Christian denominations repeat prayer. They will have prayer book. But Jesus says in chapter, Matthew chapter 6 verse 7, He said, But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions. The reason some translations removed that was they saw that it was doing what? It would tear up their denomination. You have to understand, okay, that there are things that people see and when they see it in the word of God, it doesn't sit right with them and if they have the power to make a Bible, they change it. So today, we're going to talk about things that are related to prayer so we understand what prayer really is, why it is necessary. Do you understand? Everybody believes, I don't care who you are, I mean, even the president will tell you, pray for America. I mean, everybody. Yeah? Everybody knows that, you know, but they don't really understand what prayer is. I want you to understand one thing. It is impossible for you to try to live a righteous life whether you are a Christian or not notice I said live a righteous life I didn't mean you are righteous for a Christian's righteousness is not through living a righteous life it is through the blood of Jesus Christ however you might not be a Christian but try to live a righteous life like Cornelius in the Bible I guarantee you that as long as you try to live a righteous life whether you are a Muslim whether you are a Hindu whether you are a Jew whether you are Zoroastrian every time you open your mouth to pray God hears you and God answers you now somebody said brother how can you say that some people don't believe in Jesus Christ and God hears them. I said, open your Bible. Did God not listen to Cornelius? Mm -hmm. Was Cornelius born again? No. But the Bible says he was trying to live a righteous life, but he didn't know the way. Now, if God will listen to a non-believer who is trying to live a righteous life, I want to say to you that there is not one prayer you as a Christian have prayed that God has not responded to. Not one. However, your lack of expectation of a response is not deceiving the angels. It certainly is not deceiving God. And it's not deceiving your enemy. So that when you just pray vain repetitions. Huh? Mm -hmm. Just talk. But without the real belief that something is going to happen. That God is going to respond. Whether in the affirmative or in the negative. Amen. I'm not saying God is going to agree with you all the time. I'm not saying, oh, you pray for this and God is going to say, okay, here you go, all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm saying God is going to respond. But why is the response important? Listen to me. God's response to your prayer is 
more important than whether or not he gives you what you want. I'll say it again. God's response to your prayer is more important than whether or not he gives you what you want. God's response to your prayer is more important than if he gives you what you want, what you ask for. Nothing gives you certainty like knowing the will of God. Nothing gives you peace like knowing the will of God. If you pray to God for something you really want, and hear from God that God says, No, I don't want that for you. It gives you a kind of peace and certainty that you know what direction you are going. So, it doesn't matter whether God says yes or no. What matters is that you heard what God said about a matter. And that is why we pray. And anytime we pray, God hears us. So we'll turn to one scripture that just came to my mind. We'll go to the book of First John. Okay, first John. First John chapter five, verse fourteen and fifteen. First John chapter five, verse fourteen and fifteen. Amen. You want to write that down, write that scripture down. Okay, it should have been among the, the scriptures I gave you earlier. First John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. Verse 14 says, And this is the certainty or the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, what? He heareth us. 15. And if we know that he hear us. Now, notice the if there. Because this is what I'm trying to say. If we know. See, the problem is the Christians don't know whether or not God heard them. And I'm saying to you that whenever you pray, God hears you. It's not any time you pray that God agrees with you. And so what John is speaking about here is the prayer you pray that is agreeable to God. Okay? But I'm saying, whether you pray the prayer that is agreeable to God or not agreeable to God, He hears you and He responds. If it's agreeable to Him, it's in the affirmative. If it's disagreeable to Him, it's in the negative. Your duty, your job, is to know whether or not God has responded. And how he has responded. And what he has said in his response. It's this, see, we're dealing with the things that we must have. These are the things you must arm yourself with. Verse 15 says, And if we know that he hear us, he, that he hear us, whosoever, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we desired of him. Okay, let me translate this to the way you have read it. Verse 15 says, And if we know that he hears us, 
whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we desired of him. That means, here, I want Sister Kay's house. I pray to God about it. And I know he hears me. So I know I have Sister Kay's house. Is that what he's saying? Well, you know you can read that and go away with that. You missed 14. <laughs> you see that? According to his will. So the question then is, how do I pray knowing that what I have prayed was according to his will? How do I do that? How do I know that? A lot of people study scripture. Jehovah's Witness study scripture. And I don't agree with them. <laughs> so how do we know? Let's turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We said verse 26 to 28. All right, go ahead, Sister Kay. Read for us from verse 26 to 28 so we know how it is we know. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep, too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the, what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Oh, verse 28, I'm sorry. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. His purpose. So, this is how to know <laughs> the will of God. Amen. That the Spirit makes intercession for you according to what? The will of God. In other words, you often do not make prayer to God according to the will of God. And the way to know it is verse 26. It says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, our weakness, our inability. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. And now this is Paul speaking. And you do know he knew the Bible a bit, right? Mm -hmm. All right. So, his knowing the Bible was not enough for him. <laughs> Amen. So, now we know why it was. The answer is not knowing the Bible. Because Paul knew the Bible in Hebrew and in Greek and probably in German too. <laughs> Amen. But, he said that's not enough to know. He said he needs his spirit. Now, remember you have a spirit. Is that not so? Mm -hmm. You have a spirit. You have a spirit. You have what again? What, what makes you up? You have a soul and you have your body. Amen. When God formed you from the dust of the earth, you were a soul. Okay? But when he breathed into you the breath of life, what he gave you was a spirit. Mm -hmm. So you became a living soul. Mm -hmm. When you sinned in the Garden of Eden, you died spiritually. And eventually you died physically. Okay? So when Jesus came, he said, Except a man is what? Born again. And did he mean born naturally? He said that he meant spiritually. So your spirit man had to be reborn. And how did your spirit man get reborn? Your spirit man gets reborn when a drop of the blood of Jesus Christ touches your soul. So when the blood of Jesus Christ 
touches your soul because your soul requested it. In hell, in death, in separation from God, it cried out for help. The blood of Jesus Christ came into your soul and you received something called life. And you became born again. You were born once in the Garden of Eden. You died. But when you cried to God, He did not leave your soul in show. He sent the blood into your soul and you came alive again. Now, your spirit cries to God on your behalf. Your spirit knows what your soul is going through. But your spirit has more of an inkling of the mind of God, of those things that God likes, those things that God desires for you, more than your soul does. So your spirit prays for you. Now, how does your spirit pray for you? Your spirit prays for you in tongues. Amen. In groanings that are too deep to understand. In other words, you are going through, let's take for example, you're playing soccer and you hit your toe on a stone. Do you go, pain? <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Does that make sense now? Does that make sense now? You go, ouch, but what's that? Imagine the fire service guy comes and says, tell us what's wrong with you. Just talk to us. Amen. He can't understand what you're saying. You're speaking mysteries to him. So, when we pray in tongues, we are praying in the Spirit. The word, the phrase, pray in tongues and pray in the Spirit in the Bible are used synonymously. They're like, like the same thing. There's an assumption that the reader knows that when they're talking about praying in the Spirit, that they're talking about praying in the language other people don't understand because Paul says, I will pray in the Spirit and I will pray with my understanding. Well, what's that? See that? What's that? Praying. A lot of people who are Christians who say they don't believe in tongues have sometimes found themselves in tears on their bedside and begin to pray in tongues. Huh? You know what I mean? They don't, they don't, suddenly they, they can't express what it is and suddenly they just, I'm not, I don't believe in that. I'm not supposed to do that. <laughs> because they don't want to release themselves. They don't want to flow in God. Now, one other thing, just as an aside, I think on one of the videos I talked about this, there are three kinds of speaking in tongues at least that God revealed to us in the Bible. Maybe there are more, but what I've seen are three. Okay? The first is what we call the divine speaking in tongues. Uh, we call it divine because we can't think of any other <laughs> way to put it. In other words, this is the one where out of nowhere you will be speaking or praying and somebody, everybody around, can, unbelievers and Christians alike, can understand what you're saying in their native language. Okay? And we see that happen in the book of Acts. Okay? Then there's what is called tongues of interpretation. Okay? And we see that in the book of Corinthians 
where Paul writes to the church and he's telling the Christians that look when you come to church and you get up to speak I'd rather you preach than stand there and start speaking in tongues he says don't do that unless there's somebody there to interpret the tongue so obviously during Paul's time there were times when people would come to church and somebody would speak in tongues but one or two only one person or two might be able to understand what the person was saying and then would interpret it to the church so we know at least there was something called tongues of interpretation and then all over we hear about Paul talking about praying the spirit he says I will pray in tongues he says I thank God I pray in tongues more than all of you that was what Paul said now the fact that he says I pray in tongues more it means he's talking about something that he does something under his will you understand and so and later on we read Jude talk about praying your most holy faith praying in the Holy Ghost we see Paul saying I'll pray in the spirit or, and I'll pray in my understanding I'll sing in the spirit and I'll sing in my understanding so we can see that prayer sometimes English or Spanish or human language cannot adequately articulate what we're trying to say. Sometimes what we feel or what we want to say to God is what you might, there's a term called ineffable. You can't speak it out. You have to speak in tongues. Alright? And tongues are very important because they edify you. Paul says, he that speaks in tongues edifies himself. What is an edifice? An edifice is a big structure, a big building, something strong. So Paul says, he that speaks in tongues edifies himself, but he that preaches, the word in King James is prophesy, it just means preach. He that preaches edifies others, but he that speaks in tongues edifies himself. Is there anything wrong with edifying yourself? No. He just says, listen, when you're speaking in tongues, you know, if people are around there who don't speak in tongues, and you're speaking in tongues, they might, you know, not, they might think you're mad. That's what he said. Obviously, they don't get what you're doing. Now, that doesn't mean when you come to church, you don't speak in tongues, because there are times when you get to church, you're praying to God, and then you get carried away, and hey, you're, you're doing your thing. You should be left alone. That's your, that's, you, you're being, you're, you're being, you're flowing. But he wants us to be sensitive to the fact that, hey, you know, maybe somebody comes and they, they just can't get into the flow, and, you, you know, everybody's just going in tongues and there's no concern. So there's no rule, there's no law about it. People shouldn't have any hard and fast rule. Oh, here comes a stranger, let's not pray in tongues. Paul said, no, that's not what Paul is saying. Okay, there should be a flow and an, an understanding. Okay? Alright. Now, we talked about the book of Luke. Let's look at Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Now, in Luke chapter 18, even though I only picked verse 1, the whole Luke chapter 18 up to verse 10 or thereabout was important 9, 8 is important he says, and he spake a parable unto them to this end that men always to, ought to pray and not to faint so it now goes on to tell us the parable so he says he told them a parable for this reason and the reason was that men always ought to pray and not to get tired of praying not to lose heart exactly and then he tells a story about a, a judge in a city who didn't fear God, neither regarded men, but that this woman came every day saying, you've got to require me of my, since my husband died, this woman don't want to give me my pension or whatever it is. And she just said, even though I don't fear God and I don't regard men, but this woman wearies me so much. What Jesus was trying to say was this, that now God 
doesn't need to be bothered so many times and you get what you want from him. However, there are things that God has left under your authority that you have to fight to get. And that those things, you ought to fight for them. You've got to push for them. So maybe somebody has a child who's running the streets. The person has a child who's running the streets. But this person has authority with God. Okay? And Jesus is saying, listen, don't just say, I quit. Even, no matter what happens, you have to know that as long as you're in prayer, that child is covered. Even if that child goes to jail, he's covered. No matter what happens, that child is covered. And it is a sense that is, is, that is what that parable is about. He's trying to explain, not that God doesn't want the child to be saved, but the child has something called the free will. But God has something the Bible refers to as overrule. Have you ever heard that in the Bible? It says, He is God who overruleth in the affairs of men. Notice, to overrule is not the same as to rule. Okay? It means decisions are passed, but God can overrule those decisions. So, you know, He wasn't even in court, He wasn't even in the hearing, He wasn't even the judge of the case. Somebody else passed the judgment. God received the testimony and did what? He overruled in the affairs of men. And so Jesus is trying to teach us here to understand that, listen, there are circumstances that don't seem to want to budge. Don't be moved by the fact that they're not moving. Your job is not to move the circumstances. Your job is to pray. That's all he's saying. Your job is to pray about those circumstances. Keep praying is what he's saying. Now, what is it we are praying for? Is it, oh Lord, my child should stop running the streets and stop being a, a gang member or whatever and should become a, a pastor and all that? No, we are praying that God, this soul shall not go to hell. Let me explain something to you. Hell is a covenant. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Mm -hmm. Hell is a covenant. God says in the book of Isaiah or Jeremiah, I believe, He said He will break our covenant with hell. When you become a born again Christian, you sever the covenant of hell with your children. I don't even understand what I'm trying to say. In other words, once you become born again as a child of God, the covenant of hell that your children had from Adam through you is cut. You're born again. You enter into a covenant with God through Jesus Christ. What we as Christians don't seem to understand is this. That we have a covenant with God through Jesus Christ. But God is seeking to have a covenant with us directly. That's another teaching. I don't want to digress. But I will show it to you from the word of God. Because a time is coming when Jesus himself will disappear. And melt completely into you and I. And all that will be left is God and us. Now, I know how it sounds, but, you know, if you go and look at Thessalonians, you will see what I'm talking about. Another day, I will teach on that, that 
the Bible ends up, it says, that God might be all in all. It says, when he has finally put all his enemies under his feet, then, so, then shall the Son himself be under him, who put all things under him. It's a complicated teaching. I'm not going to go into it here. It's not that there will never be Jesus. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying that Jesus is God. But for now, Jesus, God, is acting as an intermediary between God, God, and man, man. The man, God, is acting as an intermediary between God, God, and man, man. Does that make sense? But as man, man becomes to become more like God, man, God, man will become more like God, God. And eventually, there will be nothing left but God, God, and God, man. Amen. That makes sense. <laughs> all right, all right. Okay. So, so we've seen some things about prayer tonight, and why we, as Christians, ought to pray. Just as told us, he said, "Listen, don't get weary when you pray." Paul has told us, "Listen, you have the spirit." Your spirit makes intercession to God according to the will of God. It's totally praying tongues. You've seen that. We've seen Jesus say, don't use vain repetitions. Some people will go to some pastor and says, go home and say ten Hail Marys or something or all, all those things. Huh? The Bible says, don't do that. No, 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 don't do that. Vain repetitions. Okay? So, we begin to understand some of those things. Now, I gave a, what was the last scripture I gave? Jude, let's look at Jude. Jude 1, 20 to 21. Amen. It says, But ye, beloved, said verse 21, mm-hmm. 20 to 21. It said, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Remember that? What Paul said, he says, He that speaks in tongues edifies himself. Jude is saying the exact same thing here. It says, But ye, beloved, Building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So now, what you want to do is you want to build yourself up spiritually. And you cannot build yourself spiritually without praying in tongues. There's just no way. Okay? There's just no way. So, a lot of. I remember the first time I began to pray in tongues, I was being, you know introduced to praying in tongues. It felt kind of awkward. You know? It felt really awkward. You know, it didn't make sense. But I would see people praying in tongues and flowing. I think, but I see them all the time. They're normal people, but that just doesn't make sense. And so I'd go back in my room alone and I'd go, Shabba, Shabba, Shabba Rabba, Shabba Rabba. You know? And after some time it was almost like something at the gym. You know, after about ten minutes I'll get back again and I you know and suddenly, it began to flow. And suddenly, I couldn't stop. I just couldn't stop. And that was my, that was my experience in speaking in tongues. Now, other people, different, maybe, you know, they were just in church, and suddenly they started speaking in tongues. For me, it wasn't like that. For me, it was many days of, you know, shabara, shabara. Oh, this is crazy, man. <laughs> you know? So I solicit your prayers. I solicit your support. Okay, I want to thank you for your time. For those of you who have been faithful, you know, uh, supporting this work for being involved sharing these videos okay don't be don't 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 get weary don't be weary don't get tired 
Your strength is supposed to come brighter and brighter every day. Okay? Keep pressing on. Share these videos with your family and friends. Start watch parties on Facebook over this video so your friends and family can discuss it. Okay? And continue to write us. Write me through Facebook. Write me through you know, the, the comment section here on YouTube. Okay? So I want to encourage you. Thank you so much for the way you've been supporting us. Thanks so much for all that you've been doing. We really appreciate it. Remember what I said, if you want to continue listening to us, you have audio, you can always go, okay, to our website. You can see the online radio channels that you can get us through. Like I mentioned um, Apple's iTunes, I met Apple iTunes, I mentioned um, Spotify, and I think Google. You can also, you know, there are other platforms also through which you can hear us through audio, okay? I want to encourage you to subscribe to our channel and to, you know, hit the like buttons. Hit the like buttons. I can't say that enough. Every time you watch these videos through YouTube, hit the like buttons. Now, if you're watching through Facebook or you're watching through some other video like WhatsApp, it's not going to show here, so we won't be able to see your like. But if you're watching through YouTube, I want to encourage you. Or Facebook, wherever it is, I want to encourage you. Hit that like button. Okay? Hit that like button. It matters to us. Okay? Thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for everything that you've been doing, you know, by watching our videos. Okay? In the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be on the road, but wherever I am, I'm going to be broadcasting from there. So the broadcast is still going to keep going, okay? So thank you so much, everybody. God bless you. See you soon.